The show you're about to listen to is very old and comes with a warning. When we recorded these shows over a decade ago, the world was a different place and we were little more than children. As a result of this, you might hear a few things that by today's standards we judge to be inappropriate or offensive. Please don't be offended. In the years that have passed since recording these shows, we've all grown up to be wonderful, loving, liberal, free-thinking, open-minded individuals. If the us from over a decade ago say something to upset the you of today, please understand that we're as disgusted with ourselves as you are. But isn't this what life is all about? Learning and growing? We all said and did things in our younger days that make us cringe when we think about them. We just recorded it and put it out on the internet. With all that in mind, I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and there's just one more thing. Don't email the show or try to enter competitions. We don't have that email anymore and all the competitions are over. We do have a Facebook group where you're very welcome to discuss any aspects of the podcast. Please visit simplysyndicated.com for more information. Now establishing data link. Accessing. Hello and welcome to Make It So, episode number 31. This week we are discussing the best episode from season two of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And with us this week as a guest is... Alison Downing. That's the one. She's back. She I'm is back. back. I'm Mike Dawson. I'm Richard Smith. And again, I'm You're Alison still Downing. Alison yes. Downing. Still Excellent. Downing. It's good to be back, guys. It's good to have you back. It's yeah. good to have ladies who like Star Trek. Yeah, There's been a number of requests for your presence. There has, so, wasn't there? Yes. So Don't those people will be happy. Indeed. Yeah. We've pleased some of the people this week. <laughs> some of the time. <laughs> Although they'll probably object to whatever we say is our favourite episode. No. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know, but mm. we'll see. We'll see. Goes hand in hand. Fair enough. Let's just kick off. Let's, Let's just start then. Yes. Let's go through the episodes. And- uh, I was just saying in the car to Rich, we didn't watch this too many weeks ago, really, because as everybody pretty much knows, we've watched them all. Very, very quickly, like four and five a day. Mm. And on reflection, it doesn't feel like I remember much about season two. It's a bit of an odd one because really the story of Deep Space Nine is the Jemadar and the Dominion War and everything else. And series one was kind of just pure setup of your, like we discussed, your main nine characters yeah. and everything and and uh, just setting up the Bajoran conflict and the Kardashians and everything and just getting you used to the world. Yeah, and getting used to the Bajoran faith and what it kind of means mm. and the history of DS9 as we've gotten to there. And then season two kind of like should have been where this sort of kicked off, like early on in the season, maybe like the Jemadar story started off or something mm-hmm. like Make that. Make us wait. But then, yeah, we had another, we had more setup and we had more, more stuff Kardashian. with the Bajorans and more Kardashian. And, and, uh, I think that's simply because you write the series as it's going along and, they and don't it really wasn't know. until the end that they thought, aha, aha maybe we can bring this something in. a good in idea. Here. That was mm. what happened, mm. I think. So well, well, as with, we are introduced to the Jemadar and the Dominion in this series though. Um, and as with series two of Next Gen, which introduced the big, the Borg, Borg baddie for mm. Next Gen, it's uh, mirrored quite nicely in, uh, in DS9. Yeah. So should we, uh, should we kick off? Let's kick yeah. off. Well, we start with a three-parter. Which was, oh, of course um, it was, wasn't it? Which was a first in Star Trek history. See, now you just reminded me that this was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, well, we may as well talk about these all as one. We have the homecoming, the siege, and uh, the circle and the siege. 
Right. Um, right. So this is the one that ends up with the entire station being under siege, everyone leaving, they're hiding. Who comes? Well, basically, they get back an old Bajoran war hero yes. who isn't who he says he is. Well, no, he is who he says he is, but his legend and his uh, integrity and his, his the feats that he's accomplished have all been exaggerated through the annals of time. So he ain't that great. He isn't that great, and he's very, very humble, and he hates the fact that this reputation follows him around everywhere, but Benjamin Sisko sort of tries to convince him, well, be that as it may, your reputation can help to unify Bejor, because yeah. Bejor is starting to come into a civil war with a group called the Circle, yeah. who believe in a pure Bejor just for Bejorans. Quite fanatical. Quite fanatical, and obviously a throwback from the Kardashians leaving from Bejor. Yeah. So And still don't want to be sort of ruled over by the Cardassians and all the rest of it and want a free Bejor so that nobody else can take that opportunity. You see, this was sort of like a follow-up from um, the end of season one where we had the first sort of signs that of Bajoran descent. Mm. And and it sort of illustrated very clearly that Ben Sisko's job on this station wasn't going to be an easy ride. And it wasn't just about bringing Bajoran, Bajor into the Federation and protecting them from the Kardashians. Bajor, Bajor needed to be protected from itself. Yeah. And this that is was a very strong diplomatic role that Sisko needed to be an ambassador to Bajor as much as he was a commander of the station. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think that, yeah, I think they're three good episodes. We have the, uh, the first sort of signs. We find, we were introduced to Kai Wynn at the end of last season again. But hate we're, her so this badly. is her becoming oh, Kai, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that doesn't happen until later after Kaiopakis stuck on that planet with the people who can't die. That was last season. That was, was that last season. Yeah. One. yeah. At, the, at the beginning yeah. of this, they're, they're Kyleless. Yeah. And it's going to be... We think it's going to be Burial at Yeah, this well, point. it's between those two, isn't it? It's between Wynn and Burial. Yeah. And obviously so we like Burial because he's sweet and he's a bit good looking and, and Kira's, you know, sweet getting on jiggy with it. Yeah. I thought Mirror Burial, Mirror Universe Burial was far cooler. It was much more fun, yeah. but far less holy, I found. Well, I forgot yeah. all about Mirror Universe for a while. <laughs> I kind of blocked the Mirror Universe episodes out a bit. They're a bit shit. They're a bit. Some pants. of them are wonderful. Well, this season has one of the few examples of a wonderful Mirror Universe episode. I, yeah, the some, first some one. of them. Are, some of them are shit. The, mm. the one with what's in it? Uh, was it Jennifer Cisco? And she keeps coming shattered back. mirror. The first one with Jennifer Sisko, I think, or the second one where the Dominion fly or the Defiant flying around the station and everything. Yeah, when she comes to oh. Deep Space Nine and Jake thinks it's his mum and all that sort of thing. And I it's, can't remember which one. It's that one is. of the later ones. Yeah, and it's awful, mainly because it's a Jake centric sort of thing. I think it's the last one in season seven where it's Nog, Quark, and. That who go over to the mirror universe. That was a particularly poor one. And Vic Fontaine turns up for five seconds and then gets shot dead. Mm. Oh, that was so annoying. Oh, yeah. The, the, the mirror universe is so full of flaws as a concept. I mean, you could possibly <laughs> get away with it of the, with the, the original series ones. Yeah. Cause they did one and it was just a bit quirky. Mm. And then you start going into, well, if there was this alternate universe where these other political things happened, why would these people still, still be, be together, together in the same yeah. place? Why would they still know each other? Well, 
the thing about it is, is that because I, I had this conversation with Funny Mike actually a while back, and um, he was saying the same thing, and I kind of argued that if you believed in the idea behind parallel universes that, that every decision that has ever been made, there is an infinite number of possible alternatives <clears throat> for that decision, and therefore an alternate, an infinite number of alternate universes, then in theory there is a universe where all of this is happening and all of these people are still together. Yeah, so, I give so you that. That, that is entirely possible. Yeah, okay. What is implausible is the fact that of all of the mirror universes, that's the one that they ended up at. Yeah. yeah, the chances of that are the remote chances. The chances that that exists isn't remote. Mm. You know, mm. there's an alternative the universe out there. Shown and the, yeah, there's an alternative universe where I'm dating Britney Spears. You know, there's if every possibility can you know happen, yeah. then that's what's going to happen. But the chances of me finding that one are pretty remote. You know, I mean, it's more likely that there's an alternative universe where we're recording a different show tonight mm. or something. You know, yeah. and that's that's more likely. It's one of those things. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. So, okay. So you, can we count those first three as one? Pretty much, I think. Because yeah. it is they one. Are. It's big. But that was the first three-parter. I mean, this was sort of like showing you straight away DS9 wasn't going to be They're not afraid of the story arc. They're not afraid of the story arc. The most we'd ever had up to that point was a two-parter. They did a few things that were never done before. I mean, a lot of montages, and the montages came in a lot more towards the end of the seasons. They did, yes. But, I mean, ending off with the biggest montage of any montage in anything ever, <laughs> let alone Star Trek. I hope somewhere if there's a montage of montages that that one's featured quite heavily. It would be a yeah. long montage. Long montage. Yeah. I'm Even Rocky had a montage. Yeah. Gotta have one. Gotta have one. What was next? Invasive Procedures. This is the one where Dax is being under threat by, by this somebody. Is, yeah, with a dude from Gremlins 2. Yeah, yeah. with a dude yeah. from Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2. And uh, once, he, was, once the he is wicked. He turned up in an episode of Homicide once as a, um, a spy enthusiast wannabe who uh, ends up strapping a dynamite interrogation interrogation suit to himself at the end and walking into the police station. It's one of their more heightened and slightly more implausible storylines, um, but it was a fantastic idea. Basically, it was a suit. like So he straps loads of dynamite to himself and has um, the idea was he put it around the person you were interrogating, compressed their thumbs onto two buttons, and if they let either of them go, they were going to blow themselves up. That's pretty evil, you know. Yeah. Well, after a while, you would just run up to the interrogator and give him a big hug and then let go, wouldn't you, really? But, mm. I mean, that's a risk inherent in using that particular device. But it was quite a good mm. episode anyway. This was a wicked episode of Vasive Procedures. I watched this for the first time recently. Mm. I thought it was really good because you've got a lovely sort of complexity with uh, Ben and um, uh, with Cisco and, uh, and Dax. Dax when he actually takes the Dax symbionts and he is actually Dax, then it suddenly changes himself, but he is Dax as well, as well as himself. Mm. So it's kind of, it was a really clever, clever episode. Yeah. And difficult performance job. Yeah. Really. And something that brought him a bit closer to Jazira as well. You know, you see in that relationship, not just develop, because it's a new relationship in the first season anyway. Yeah. He's well, it's a new used, and old relationship, isn't it? It's new and it's, old, but this is cementing the new for me when he gets that close to Jadzia and he literally saves her life. Yeah. You know, they've they've moved on somewhat from old and new relationship mm. when, they, when he does that, when he takes on that for her, saves her. Definitely. 
Okay, I, a, I, I have one. nothing significant to say about that episode, I'm afraid. It's got Tim Russ in it as well. And, oh yes, there's a Klingon. There's a Klingon. Tim Russ, who's that? Tuvok. Oh, right, of course, of course, yeah. He's a yeah. Klingon. Better as Vulcan. Better as really Vulcan. The, not the bulk of a Klingon, really. No, mm. when you look at him, you should have, well, kind of been born as a Vulcan, actually. So it looks like he's not been through makeup. Crossover stars. I realised the other day, and I hadn't, I've never seen one of these episodes, but did you know that Deanna Troy was in six episodes of Voyager? No. I had no idea. Me neither. And then I saw her name on, I, I looked at her thing on IMDb, and it had Voyager, six episodes. As what? As, as, as Deanna? The, the whole thing, yeah, as Deanna Troy. Oh, no, no, I did know that now you said it. Yeah, because with Barclay. There's, yeah, there's a couple of episodes with Barclay. Yeah. And stuff like I that. I had no idea. I'd never seen one of them. Where he goes to meet her on holiday, but Commander Riker's not there yet. Yeah. Because couples always go on holiday at separate times and yeah. then meet there. That's what we did when we went to San Francisco. It is, yeah. We I went, went a couple of days yeah. ahead. Um, but <laughs> that happens in Star Trek because, of course, then you'd have to pay another actor. Well, well he was in Voyager well, Mike as well. Mike came out right? for those first two days. That's what you didn't know, you see. Uh, yeah. Mike, was Mike he in was, vo- Yeah. Well, you were still in England, you know. <laughs> sure. <you couldn't. laughs> he, she was in, he was in Voyager. Riker. Riker was in Voyager, yeah. As what? As Riker. As Riker. <laughs> when? It's a brilliant scene. Have you not seen it? It's brilliant. Um, it's where Q turns up and um, he's talking about the powers of the Q or something like that. And he's like, and uh, if I hadn't been Q, then I wouldn't have been able to torment Commander Riker for all of those years. Snaps his fingers and there he is. And Commander ah. Riker's just like, yeah, he's right. I wouldn't have happened. And then he snaps his fingers and he's gone again. It's literally like <laughs> three seconds. <laughs> so Riker managed to get into Enterprise, DS9, Voyager and, uh, you know, and and next, next gen. gen. So all he needed to do was the original series. And oh, that's a shame into, yeah. in He's, the remasters somewhere that they don't just drop in a Riker in the background or something. It, in fact, he must be the most prolific. Of all of the Star Trek Some would actors. say he's the best first officer. <laughs> yeah. Some would disagree. Uh, other would, <laughs> others would say he's not and then go, but he right, is. I wasn't on the show, but Sorry. he is. Mm. Yeah. We're just bitching. <laughs> But We're going to watch the original series, you know. Well, really, we've got to we've, save we've got up to... some money first. <laughs> money, and we haven't got any. If, <laughs> yeah. if I could afford all of Star Trek on DVD, I would have all of Star and Trek. I, you on know, DVD. I'd have Voyager. I know it gets slammed. I'd have it, and I I'd watch it. I enjoyed Voyager for all its running around the garden of the bloody galaxy. You know, I actually enjoyed that series because there's some nice characters in there. Like did you Doctor. see the Riker episode? I did see the Riker episode. It's one of those, yay! <laughs> I, I, I also think I've seen it. Now you, you mention it. Right. I can uh, remember hearing the Voyager theme tune for the first time because I was actually on a sunbed upstairs in my mum's bedroom, you know, tanning up pre-holiday. And I knew it was going to come on, so I'd sort of set the timer to make sure that the the sunbed dinged so I could get off and watch the first episode of Voyager. And I can remember hearing the first few bars and thinking, shit, that's Voyager, and smacking my head on the tubes. (laughs) I I remember hearing the first first few bars and thinking, oh, shit, that's Voyager. (laughs) I remember doing... No, it was 
Oh, the theme tune just said, this is going to be really dull and boring <laughs> and really slow and nothing's ever going to happen that's interesting. That was the theme tune to Voyager. Every other theme tune, all of them, the original series fitted it perfectly. It had that nice little the spacey theme with the woman making a screamy noise and all of that. And it fitted perfectly for a bit of sci-fi with a bit of comedy and a the bit of Screamy noise. This is a new challenge for everyone now. We've got to come up with the lyrics. Like, imagine they were all like Enterprise and all of the theme tunes had lyrics. What would they be? We now have Voyagers. Can we have DS9 original series and next gen's lyrics? Uh, I want that on the forum, people. Uh, That's what it said. Even Deep Space Nine, which is arguably an equally sort of slow moving piece of music, had a sort of a noble sort of. Throbbing bass on Throbbing, music, this yeah. is Deep Space Nine, oh, and and shit's going to go down. wonderful brass. I yeah. still that have to play section. you the thrash metal version. What, of DS9? It's a proper, like... It's really bad. <laughs> is it? It's really bad. I, I sort of want that on my iPod. I've got it on my iPod. <laughs> there you go. I sometimes stroll fast to it. Um, <laughs> Right, should we? Oh, yes, 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 let's. We're going to take hours on this. Uh, Kardashians, episode five. Oh, the bad Nala. Um, yes, attack on <laughs> Garrick by Kardashian boy who has been raised by Bajorans leads to an unlikely act of kindness by Goldicats, ultimately exposing an unsavory political maneuvers from DS9's dark past. I have no recollection of this episode whatsoever. Neither do I. You know, neither do I. And I like Garrick-centric episodes yeah. because. Andrew Robinson fills my screen. I yeah. just, he's so magnetic to watch. Well, he's brilliant. I he's... just love his poise that he's got about his face and, and his voice, the way that he carries himself as Garrick. You never quite know who, who he is and he holds his cards close to his chest. I love that character. And I can't believe that, you know, reading the title, uh, Cardassian Boy Raised by Bajorans. I think I have seen this. It's but not ringing any bells. I know I've seen it, but does I that, can't. Does that mean that it's not it. impacted on me at all and it was it probably a, a weak episode. episode? His name was Rugal. Rugal. See? I remember the name. Do you? Well, I don't remember the episode at all. This well, it is must terrible. be a bad episode. It must be a bad one. Yeah. It just didn't impact. So it's not that one. Six, Melora. Now, I remember this one uh, because she was meant to be a main character originally. Was but, she? Um, it was too expensive to do the uh, zero G. So they uh, it replaced her with Dax. I can uh, I can imagine that it did get expensive doing those scenes, but I, I really quite enjoyed that, you know? So this is the one where there's a, a woman in Starfleet comes aboard the station who has special needs because she comes from a planet with much lighter gravity than most of the Federation. Yeah. So she gets on board a human space station and is absolutely crippled. Interesting idea, but I'm very glad it didn't, she didn't become a regular character. That's the sort of thing that you start off with and you do a couple of episodes where you mention disability and they have to do things accordingly for the person with the disability. And then after a while, you realize that that's going to get really dull and fucking boring. It's like Kes. So, like Kes, so you just fuck it off. Mm. And, and then you have this character that three seasons later, you start thinking, weren't you supposed to be absolutely crippled and destroyed? But is, it, is this same- story about Melora, <clears throat> or is Melora just a device it, to let us see that side of Julian? It's, it's a Julian episode. It's what they did with Ezra Dax. 
Why did they make her? Because they do, you're a counsellor now. You're not a science officer. You're a counsellor. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to just conveniently forget right that she had to fill out the same role that Jadzia had, where she was not a counsellor and, in fact, did anything but counselling. And so yeah, Dax was anything but yeah. a science officer. She had like maybe two or three episodes where she was doing something scientific. Yeah. Most of the time she was piloting the Defiant for some So we just and, we, and we sh- a shit hot pilot. Yeah. Then again, Data used to pilot the Enterprise. He sometime. did. You know, it was on his little station and he was the science officer, you know. So it's, it's, it's an odd one, like the position they hold and what they're actually doing. Yeah. And yeah, Ezra just didn't do much counseling, did she? But that's season seven. She did a little bit towards the end, but yeah. Um, rules of acquisition with uh, Quark is nominated by Grand Negus Zek to be the chief negotiator for the Ferengi coalition of the Gamma Quadrant however a female impersonator proves to be far more adept at the either um, than either the two businessmen uh, now this is the episode where we have the, the female with the, the fake ears and stuff like that mm. and she mm. falls in love with Quark yeah. it's a rehash of a Blackadder episode I think <laughs> yeah <laughs> With Bob. Yeah. It's it's, Bob. it's that. It's an entertaining it's, enough Ferengi episode. Yeah. It's, it's uh, also a bit of Twelfth Night if you want to go back to Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heaven for heaven that Shakespeare had any kind of influence or uh, did anything good for the world of Star Trek. Oh, or ever, ever that, created you, that, that kind of story where a girl pretends to be a boy so that she can get forwards in life oh. and be accepted by other males. And then, oh no, she falls in love with another boy. I think they actually got the idea from that Whoopi Goldberg movie where she pretends to be a man and... Which one was that? I don't know the name of it. It was called Twelfth Night. It's by William Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Necessary Evil. Uh, When Quark accepts a contract to recover a sentimental keepsake, he is shot for his trouble. The incident reopens an old case of Odo where Kieran Arise was accused of murder which was never solved. Oh, this was a cracker. Yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one. This mm-hmm. was another... We had a series of these, didn't we, where, you know, the flashbacks of the old days and uh, Kira and the Resistance and everything. And, yeah. On Tarek uh, Noor. Tarek Noor. We get to see Odo being the Cardassian security chief and all that sort of thing. Dark, grimy Tarek Noor, which... Yeah. Yeah, like New York in the 70s. No, exactly you, would, like you didn't want to live the there. No, it was rough, there. wasn't it? Yeah. I, w- I will say, you know, in the last show that I came on, I, I referred to Kira as a yappa-type dog in season one. Yes. She's yapping less. She's getting there. Season it's three, a slow process. She's but to, getting there. The, the season two, I reckon, is what I'm calling the process. She has begun. <laughs> we have started seeing who she really is, what her motivations are, what kind of a, a, a soldier, if you want to call her that. Because, well, she isn't. She's military the title. Character what of- kind of soldier she was, what kind of belief she has, coupled with her faith. And and you get to see her personality shine through rather than just hearing... <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm not happy. The character of Kira goes through as much transition. I don't know, but perhaps the only character that goes through more throughout this, all the series is Cisco because of his emissary stuff. But we start off by meeting Kira when she's just pissed off that the Federation are there at all. Yeah. And it's not a, a Bajoran run station like it bloody well should be. Yeah. And 
what I think we learn about it. She's been fighting for this long for these guys to come in and run it. Exactly. So I think what happens is is that we see that she's only that dangerous if you're on the wrong side of her. Yeah. It just so happens when we start off and meet her, everybody is on the wrong side of her. And she she doesn't just have calms the, down. She doesn't have any friends. And, you know, people start making reference to that. You know, when I first met her, she had no friends. She wasn't a likable person. Nobody really liked her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- this to me is the process beginning. It's, where the it continues, I'd say, into season three. I think it's season four <clears throat> onwards where she's, where she's a lot less. Yeah. A lot less. And I think, you know, there's still a few instances of it in season three, you know, Billy mm-hmm. and Quark and whatnot and everything. And, it becomes less aggressive, but yeah. we'll get on to that later. Um, Quark okay. loves it. <laughs> yeah. Second sight. Uh, Cisco falls in love with a beautiful woman who disappears whenever he looks away, locating his companion on board the starship. The captain is startled to find that she has no memory of their intimate moments. Oh, she's sleep flirting. Or something like that. She's a telepath or she's sleepwalking. I have no, not a, watched that she's either. A, what is it? She's a telepath <laughs> and she sort you of... You feel like that, don't you? I think you have seen these, but that's not... It's, it's not brilliant. I know. Maybe it's these like, are... Maybe I'm just dumbing them down in my head to make them feel... Do you know what they probably are? worse about them, but... They're probably reading my emails. What do you mean? Well, yeah. it's, there's, there's a difference, right. yeah. basically. No, it's, yeah. it's the there's Star a, Trek a nail test. to the screen. Yeah, there's the... I'm basically, I've got my computer and my TV next to each other, and mm. if I put something on, Star Trek often is a nice little sort of, you know, you can just breeze in and out of mm. it and stuff like that. But if it's a new Star Trek or something like that, you know, you put it on, and if your concentration is drawn away from the computer, it's a good episode. If I'm still reading the email about my bank balance by the end of the episode, then it's probably not worth my attention. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those ones. Um, okay, uh, rivals. No sanctuary. No sanctuary. Even yes, yeah, so it's, it goes down. I, I see. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, three million screen. Is that how we're saying that? Screen. Screen. Yeah, that sounds Star Trekky. Refugees yeah. from the Gamma Quadrant discover Bajor and is their legendary home. Their forefathers have spoken of and have come to settle there. The Bajoran government, however, has a different view. I haven't seen that either. So these guys have been living out in the Gamma Quadrant. They've been stuck there for yonks and and donks. And then... They've been wandering the Gamma Quadrant, just like in droves, millions of them, but all in separate ships, looking for the... Foretold are these gamma world. quadrant pikeys, Richard? Yeah, these gamma are quadrant they pikeys? pikeys. And they sort you're of, calling them pikeys, <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Shut up, I'm not bothered. They sort of turn up like five of them, and they go, "Well, this place in our Bible type book looks a lot like Bejo. We're going to all live on Bejo. I'll go and phone everyone. <laughs> How convenient!" And, and then the they're first... like, "No, no, no, don't phone everyone. <laughs> oh, I phoned them now. There's three million people here. What? You should have. T- I was just telling you, I was going to phone. And then they're like, "We're going to live there." And the Jones go, "You can't fucking live here. <laughs> this is our planet. It's called Bejo. We're Bejorans." First planet you meet in the Alpha Quadrant. That'll yeah, do. That'll yeah, that do. one. Yeah. It's got to be that one. It's got to be that one. Look, right, well, <laughs> you get through the, you search the entire Gamma Quadrant, you find the wormhole, you're in the Alpha Quadrant. M-class there's planet, a, yeah. Another, there's another quadrant. Oh, fuck. Right, uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. That'll do it. <laughs> okay, so I, I know, do I need to see that one or is it not a, not a great one? 
It's not in any way significant in the legend that is Deep Space Nine. Right. I'll probably watch it. I'd say watch it just for the sake of watching more new Star Trek. Indeed. Um, Rivals. Okay. Uh, Inheriting a... mechanical device for uh, from a cellmate a con man finds his luck has changed and he opens a bar in DS9 ruining Cork's business Cisco and Dax take appropriate measures to counter the laws of probability this is this is a brilliant episode this is the one with uh, Prince Humperdinck from the Princess Bride in uh, who's oh yeah in the cell with is it Quark, did we say? And he has the game that's the little ball and you press it and the lights flicker and then you either win or you lose. And if you win, something good happens to you. And if not, then something bad happens to you. And he replicates loads of really big ones and makes a bar and it starts destroying Quark's profits and everything like that. But eventually everybody around starts having bad luck. And uh, strangely, I think they figure out that luck is related to little things that Spin round in the atmosphere or something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen this. You, I've, I have you, seen, have, you watched it with me. but I've seen that about 10 years ago, I yeah. think. And then they figure out it's the ball and they break them all. Okay, they, they break the balls. Yeah, they break because the balls. They're breaking break the balls. balls. Because... It's a good little episode. It really is a good episode. Uh, but, okay. Um, I've remembered who it was now in the cell. I'll say this right or we'll get email. It's Prince Humperdinck from the Princess Bride and a weird other prisoner of a different race. It's not Quark. Uh, right. Because the guy wins and then he drops dead. And right. that's what he's, he was wanting to win. And he takes the device off him after he dies. Right. It's a good one, that. I have to watch that again, actually. Uh, I have seen that one before, though. Uh, the, altern- the alternate. Uh, discovering evidence that may lead to another shapeshifter, Odo and his men- old mentor, Mora Paul, investigate. The search turns up a powerful, elusive, and threatening creature which must be approached before Odo is targeted. But it turns out to be Odo. Um, ru- oh, that one. Ruined yeah. that one for you. Um no. Yeah, there's a strange monster doing things on Deep Space Nine, but it's, again, it's Odo doing things in his sleep. It is sort of a version of a similar horror film, and I'm trying to remember the name, where the guy's investigating, and it turns out the monster is him, but he doesn't remember. Ah, what is it? That could be a lot of horror films, actually. I'm just trying to think of one that it fits. Um, I'm trying to think of a Shakespeare play that that's the script of as well. Not everything is a Shakespeare play. Do you know what? It kind of is, and I bet there is one. I just can't think of it. Bollocks to you. That's not in a Shakespeare play. (laughs) Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Direct quote. Bollocks Um, to you. Bollocks to you. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. That was actually quite good. That was a se- there was a sequel with the little baby shapeshifter in season five, and the same guy turns back up and and tries to teach it stuff in the same way that he yeah. taught Odo. Now this others. character, this Isn't character it- brings in a lot of nitpicky little detail. For What's me. his name? Mona Law. My something like that. I don't know. This, this is the Bajoran mm. scientist yeah. who researched Odo when he was still goo. Yeah. Now then, this. Isn't it Dr. Mara? Mm. Right. Now, we, we get into a few complications with the, the shapeshifters and stuff like that because Odo's hair is the style it is because it's the same hair that this scientist right. guy has, right? Yeah. He modelled his, his form and shape on the guy who was effectively his father. Yeah. 
Now, when we meet the founders, they have the same hair. Ah. Do they have but the same hair model it on, on Odo? Odo? That's what I always got, that she assumed the form that she does in front of Odo so that he's, he's comfortable. he's going to feel at home. But she's that form in front of all the others. In, the, in season That's six the only and seven, when it's her and Wayun and the Cardassians, she's like that. It's easier to have a woman in a really, really unflattering orange dress with bad hair than it is to have a table making Dominion decisions. To be That's honest, why I, she assumes that form. I did always think that the whole shapeshifters looking like Odo was a bit naff, but the only explanation is the whole they're assuming Odo's form to make him feel at home, but then there's there are numerous instances later on where, like you say, when it's just way in and, you know, and everything, and you're thinking, why do you look like that, really? Or, you know... Mm. Really, you know, you know yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's what happens when you write it as like you go along. Surely they're struggling by that point, though, aren't they? The whole yeah, farm, the disease, and everything. Yeah, mm. and bits of them are falling off. Oh, it's good. Flaky season. pastry. It's good season seven, isn't it? <laughs> um, the the word I hate to be, you know always raining down on the technicalities of Star Trek. But that's a later technicality. But, that's not a problem with this episode. That's a problem with season three. Yeah. yeah. Just shapeshifters in general raised. A, you can be a bird with feathers, but you can't make proper ears. <laughs> yeah, that's does, what gets that me. Work? Yeah, so you couldn't perfect the human form back then, but surely you've practised a bit now. Well, there's the episode when um, it's like three or four generations' time and the Defiant crashed on a planet yeah. and then they go down and, and Odo's kind of half-perfected the human face after 500 years and you think, <laughs> you lazy git. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you still haven't got it, have you? You'd <laughs> you do know? an hour a night, wouldn't you? You, you would, you know, you mean, you've got like lots of time to spare and kill, you know. The love of your life is dead, so... So, you know, you just get oh, on with it. you know. That's such a heartbreaking episode. <laughs> That's though, heartbreaking. It? it is kind of sad, but is that what he does all night, sitting in his bucket, crying? Crying, he must do. Don't know. I Shapeshifters don't cry. You know, his doctor, who um, who sort of raised him, if if you will, um, treats him a bit like a, a lab rat, though, doesn't he? Oh, exactly like a lab rat. You in know, fact, he don't wants- they have an argument over that very point. Well, he sort of like says, doesn't he, the the um, the reason that they uh, never um, he didn't realise for a long time that he was sentient. He didn't realise that the, the the specimen he was just a bit of goo in a jar for ages. Yeah. So of course he treated and him like that. Completely suppressed him, repressed him, and oppressed him. Horrible, really. But he didn't know. Of course he didn't know, and Odo didn't know any different either. So is that abuse or is that normal? I don't know. It just. It feels horrible. It feels like, oh, poor Odo. Poor love. <laughs> and if you were basing yourself on a Bajoran, yeah. you'd have had a crack at the little wrinkly yeah, nose job, wouldn't you? Nose. But, you know, he didn't even try that. God, mind bad he did it better than that woman in the paper last week. There was a couple <laughs> in the paper who had a Star Trek wedding uh, locally to us. And there was We're not picture, doing that. No, there was a picture of them in the paper in their outfit that they got married in. And I'm sorry, but if we constructed three Star Trek outfits from contents in this room, <laughs> we'd do better. It was terrible. It was really terrible. The guy had the Klingon forehead stuck on. Right, which was brown coloured. Yeah. And then he was just normal. Was he white? He was just white. 
And so you've not stuck, even attempted just to looks blend like his head in a brown bit bed. of rubber on your face, mate. That doesn't make you look like a Klingon. No. In the slightest. And See, with your short, spiky hair, you really look a twat. And you now, had short, spiky hair. You didn't even go with a curly black Imagine wig me, as I am right now, like but with a black Klingon rubber thing stuck on my head. I'd say, I'm not That's marrying you. Get like. that turtle's shell off your head. You yeah. see, Why have you got that on your head? Depending on the, the sort of age range of your guests, really, if you were going to do a Star Trek-themed wedding, you would probably go for the Betazoid option, wouldn't you? I mean, that would be the, the most fun. In, in your own <laughs> mind, it would. human, you know? I think that since you've said that, Mike, I think that you should eventually have, have a Bajoran a wedding. A Betazoid wedding. A Betazoid wedding. And, and, yeah, we'll all stand and see, watch. He had he had his he had his Starfleet dress uniform on, which looked pretty smart. And you think we've even said this that if you had everyone there in the proper dress uniform, it may well look quite smart. They're designed to. <laughs> See, oh, you've just admitted to everybody that we've had this conversation. Why would you that make the, the part of your head a Klingon? Might look all right in Starfleet bloody dress uniform. What's wrong with that? Well, you've just told everybody now. Oh um, yeah, really. If we uh, got engaged and I came to you and said we'll be we'll be wearing Starfleet dress uniform, you'd fucking love it. I would be very happy you'd that be it very was, happy that, that it was you... your wedding and not, and not mine. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's fun. I'd, it's in fun theory. for someone else's wedding. <laughs> yeah. We need to find somebody else and convince them to do this. Well that's the advantage of a Betazoid wedding, there's no costumes. <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> Carry on, Richard. You're right. going to have to do some convincing on me. Your mother would love that. Oh, Your she'd be love that. fucking joy, Jeff. No, no, Mum, you don't need to get a new outfit. <laughs> now sit down, I have something to tell you. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Which, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm going to kick off. And the episode where Deanna Troy was getting married on the... Not Deanna Troy, where uh, Loaxana Troy was getting married on the Enterprise and there was all that hoo-ha about whether she should be naked or not. Why did no one suggest just wear the bottoms? <laughs> just you know, there's no complicated. Comp- just wear the bottoms or just the top. Because that's even just wear sillier. your pants and socks. <laughs> just socks. Just, there's nothing yeah. more silly than a grown man wearing just socks. Really, is it, there? It is ridiculous. It, it does look awful. It's one of it's one of this universe's worst sights. I think. Yeah. No matter what body, no matter what socks, no, put them together. Put them it's together, just wrong. Just by themselves, man in just socks. Awful. Mind you, I could. I, I reckon the same could be said of women as well. Oh, no, you have, that depends. Depends on the socks. See, no, both I, of you I, have gone I have seen, now I've seen lots of video footage of women just wearing socks that was not in any way objectionable. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm, Mike's fact, not going not, to not video footage. that much oh, right. research. Fact, I've not done fact, that much socks research. socks and trainers. <laughs> And getting but away with it. No, because that's too much like American Psycho. It, is it? Yeah. It's, it's No, it's specifically those little socks that kind of hook around just enough. Anyway, what are we on about? The Armageddon game. Okay, episode Armageddon. 13. So 13. <laughs> Sent to ensure peace between two worlds by destroying a stockpile of deadly biological weapons, Bashir and O'Brien find themselves attacked by... And marooned. Worse, O'Brien has been infected with a fatal biotoxins. This is brilliant. I like this episode. In fact, any episode with these two guys together. Well, this together. was the first one. Love it. This, was, this, this is their bonding this is exercise, the, isn't well, it? You know, at first I hated you. <laughs> yeah. And now I don't. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got that far. Great. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Uh, it also has a vicious little phaser fight at the beginning when all the guys get killed in the uh, the laboratory. Mm. Um, oh, and, yeah. And has the wonderful thing with Keiko working out that the footage is fake because Miles never drinks coffee in the afternoon. In the, the afternoon, afternoon, it's four o'clock. You wouldn't be drinking <laughs> caffeine. Only to find him at the end saying, actually, yeah, I'll have a coffee. At four. Which always makes me think of that scene in Airplane where it's just like, actually, I will have a second cup of coffee. Bill never has two cups of coffee at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. You'll be up until 25 o'clock. Yeah. Get to bed. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, Keiko's suspicions are based on absolutely nothing. But thank God she had them. But thank God she had them. And what an insight into her husband, Miles. Yes. He doesn't like caffeine no. in the afternoon. Oh, no. Oh, so she thinks. Uh, so oh, so she, she thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whispers. Uh, O'Brien's world is turned on its head when he finds that his colleagues distrust him, lie to him, and attempt to remove him from a central role in Deep Space Nine. Unnervingly, the conspiracy is not in O'Brien's imagination. This, I love this one. Is this, this is, the right? one where they're playing a role? No, that's a that's a later one. Okay, this is the one where it's just O'Brien, and the whole episode is following him and something's wrong and we don't know what it is and you're sort of put on his side. Well, because everybody's it's, having he, a pop at him, aren't they? Yeah, it's him who's right and everybody else is weird. And it's not till you get to the end that you find out it was him that was weird and not everybody else. And it's it's so good like that. Yeah. I've just ruined the ending, but hey. Yeah, that was a clever little one. But, you know. Paradise, um, one of the weaker entries, I'd say, to this season. Uh, marooned on a planet where none of the equipment works, Cisco and O'Brien encounter people who were stranded 10 years earlier, refusing to abandon Starfleet equipment. Uh, Cisco is brutally tortured by society, anti-technological leader. She's uh, horrible. She is horrible. It does remind me of several Next Gen episodes. The only saving mm. grace of this one really is Cisco crawling back into the box, um, just to, <laughs> just in a, in a kind of as he's going in, giving her the finger kind yeah. of. Fuck this you. is an example of how Starfleet officers are sometimes far too nice to people they find stranded on planets. Yeah, you, you've abandoned technology and you want to put me in this box. Fuck you! I'm going back to my crash runabout. Fuck mm. you! Yeah. You can stay here. Mm. Why don't they? They never do that. They're too nice. She's such a control freak, though. Not. Just of these newly arrived um, officers that she finds in in her community's company, but of the entire community, and I think she fears that if people do start making advances, then her entire civilization, as she knows, it will be gone. Well, that is what happens. Isn't but it's it? It, it's kind of like that old analogy of if you want to keep hold of something, you know, you keep your palm up, and if you've got a bird in your hand, then the way to keep it is to gently cup it. If you close your hand over that bird, then you squash it and it's destroyed. And that's effectively what this woman's doing. Mm. And she's uncomfortable to watch, but I also like watching her undoing. See, it's that, those... That's pretty mean, but she's mean. and Yeah. She's a sort of pointy woman. You know, a so pointy well. woman. Pointy woman. Yeah. Mm. She's got corners, very angular. Whispers. Uh, no, we're done. Whispers. No, we're done. Uh, shadow play. Okay. While Vedic Burial courts Kira and Reese on DS9, Dax and Odo investigate a strange particle field and discover a colony of which 22 people have disappeared, offering to help. They discover the colony's tragic secret. What is that colony's tragic secret? I don't know. I don't know what it is either. <laughs> I think this is the one where we first get a mention of the, the Dominion. 
Um, mm. I could be wrong. It could be something later on. I know that the Dominion are mentioned before they turn up at the end of the Oh, season. is this yeah. the one where they find out the entire civilization is a hollow projection run by one guy? Maybe. You know what? And I it, and really think there's are, a lot of this season yeah, I missed. People are disappearing because they're going beyond the boundaries of the hollow emitters and none of them know that they're holograms, but it's uh-huh. this one guy. I have seen this. If that's own... the case, I have not seen that episode. That would make sense with the time. We're terrible about this. Well, 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 what's happened, Richard? Were you watching them in secret while I was at work? I and going, watched yes, all yes, of we've them seen with you. One. All of them I watched with uh, you. I don't know. Maybe I was doing something. The, I don't the, know. The only time that we, we didn't watch them together was the, the magnificent Ferengi and Who Mourns Mourn episodes. Uh, yeah. And I've still not sat and watched Who Mourns Mourn. You see, that's maybe how I've missed these. No, it didn't happen then. I don't, well, then happen. I, I don't understand how these storylines are being read out to me and I feel completely... It was a long time ago. Like We've it been happened to Dominion someone else. Yeah, you've gone through wars and five yeah. other seasons. Well, since yeah, this. yeah, true um, enough. Okay, playing God. Right, now this is another one that just doesn't seem familiar to me at all. Jadzia Dax serves as an instructor to a young trill who hopes to qualify for symbiosis. Having heard stories of Dax's former host, the pupil is shocked to find that she's the tutor loves gambling, drinking and wrestling. Yeah, this is the one where Jadzi is picked to be like a, I don't know, a, mentor. Like a mentor for somebody who may... W- no, she's deciding whether he's good enough to be joined with, right. a, with a symbiont. And it's really boring. <laughs> because he's is such he good a enough? whiny little bitch. And you think, just tell him no and tell him to go home. There's no need for any of this story because he, he's winding me up. mm and he'd just irritate any symbiont that you put in him, so <laughs> don't don't bother. But it's the whole Jazzy deciding who she is and all that sort of thing. I don't know. Profit and loss. Arrival of several Kardashian political refugees on Deep Space Nine gives Quark the chance to rekindle an old flame and brings Garrick the chance to integrate himself with the Kardashian Central Command. However, both require a sacrifice. Dum dum dum. This is where it turns out Quark used to be shagging a Cardassian. Not seen this one either. Oh my god. He he was shagging a Cardassian, you know. Can I'm, you believe that? Yeah, I can Quark. And a Cardassian and a Ferengi. She could snap him in the heart. A Cardassian and a Ferengi would have some fucking ugly children. Yes. Ugly, so right. ugly children. They would be so the most right. ugly creatures alive in the galaxy if a Cardassian and a Ferengi had kids. Pale and scaly with big fuck off ears. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe they don't have- get the tone, the facial tone of color for Ferengi, but keep retain the Kardashian esque face. Maybe just so like an orange a Kardashian nose, but not with the big ears. That wouldn't be too bad. It'd be bad if you got on which all side of the, of the genetics it went. Yeah. If all of the accentuated features, yeah. If you got them, if you yeah. got neck ridges and those ears and those those and the head spoon bumps on the head thing. and the spoon on the head. See, because the owl was quite good because they toned down the colour of her skin and gave and her ridges, gave her ridges, on ridges. The nose and yeah. like a very mild uh, spoon yeah. on the head and everything. A mild spoon. A mild spoon. <laughs> uh, so she did look like a cross between a, a Kardashian and a Bajoran. She's yeah, quite good. Now then, that's reminded me of a question a I, I would head, like to put to our audience. Right. The, the Cardassian spoon on the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women have blue one. Yes. Now then, is 
we were discussing, is that blue? Because on the female Kardashians, it's just blue. Or, or is, it is it makeup? Or is it makeup? You know, the same way that human females wear pinks and reds because apparently the, the colour red in nature is an attractant. Hence, baboons, batties, and things like that. And that's why they're red. The colour red is an attraction. Is it that the blue spoon is a an attractant to Cardassians? I always thought it was like the ducks. You see, I don't know. So it is just blue. It is just blue. Okay. Always okay. thought because otherwise you might see other girls with different shades of blue on their. You know, all the Kardashian women have the same blue it's makeup. It's the same shade of blue. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's trickier because most of them have the same haircut and the same outfits That's as well. Also true. I think it's just one Kardashian woman. There's never anyone of a race that's really unfashionable, is there? There is a fashion of a race, and everyone wears that outfit. It's not like that Klingon who walks through wearing no. brown shoes with green undercoat. You know, it's, uh, it's, yellow it's, shirt. Yellow what shirt. Hell? Think, what the hell are you wearing, Gapa? I don't know. Yeah. So it'd be a bit I different. Just, You're all wearing what? that grey metal ensemble. I thought I'd go with something a bit more sunshiny. Why are you wearing that colour You'd just with get that stamped with a batleth right away, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, the Kalis clone who comes back in next gen, he was like, wore like a big fur coat, didn't he? Like, occasionally you see the Klingons of big fur coats. Yes, oh, yeah, but they like, like the coats, though, don't they? Yeah, because like it's, the it's like the military. Yeah. yeah. Very sort of beastly type thing, you know. What's his name? Had furry arms on his outfit. The wolf's new dad. Martok. Martok. Yeah. Had furry wolf's arms. new dad. <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? It is his wolf's new well, dad. yeah, I guess so. Join my family. If but he's I'm in, in my house, 40s, Martok. you can't adopt me. <laughs> yeah. No, I can with Klingons. All right, then join I'll be out. You know, I'll join your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't even know what we're up to. I think Blood Oath now. Uh, yeah, Blood Oath. Blood Oath. Klingon warrior Kang Kor and Kulof return to extract vengeance on the greatest, on their greatest enemy. Calling at DS9 to recruit their friend Dax, they are surprised to find the old man is now a beautiful woman. Wit woo well, You would be shocked. Well, this was quite good because it was basically was three that? Klingons from the, the original breasts. series, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And it was um, the actual actors, the who, actual played actors well. who played them as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. As the three Klingons, so much fun Avec playing Ridges. Avec Ridges. Yeah. Um, so that kind of opened up a new question because this was the first time we'd seen Klingons from that era in the new era. Yeah. And uh, whereas and before they, they were just swarthy brown heads? men with weird kind of sashes. Oh, on you had them. to have the mustache. Oh, you had to have a mustache. They all had a mustache. But, oh, yeah, yeah. of course, we explained the ridges with flocks and Enterprise, but that was before the Kirk time period. So why didn't the Kirk? It still didn't work. It made it worse. I don't know. It, it makes made it my worse. Head hurt. It makes my head hurt. Why did, they, why did they come back in the middle of a generation? Why would you not have ridges and then suddenly have them again? It doesn't... It, it made oh. it worse. It, you know, why didn't they... Ju- it was best left on Trials and Tribulations when Worf just said, we don't talk about it. Because yeah. you don't talk about that, it. Well, that was just the it. best. We, ju- we don't talk. It was acknowledged and they all stared at him and he got, we just don't talk about it. And I was fine with that. In fact, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. But we have to have that old flux in it. It was carrying a disease, even though that was a hundred years before you see them without ridges again. So we've just, and even though they've not, they had ridges before he did that in Enterprise. <laughs> the first episode of Enterprise had a Klingon with ridges on his head. Yeah. Did Who's it? writing this crap? 
Okay, so after that we have Marquee Part 1 and 2. Uh, the Marquee, so introducing the Marquee plotline. Build up, build up, build no, up no. to Star Trek Voyager. Well, mm. hang on, because we had Marquee in Next Gen. Yeah, no, this was the first instance. Did you? Yes, no. we had, had Row left to join the Marquee. Ensign Low, yeah, we have Is the... Is that after this, though? Yeah. It, was at the same, it was at the same time. Ah. So the, the, time. The, the peoples of the Marquee, this is their first real introduction to us. This is the first introduction in DS9. It's basically, you have two episodes in Next Gen. You have Journey's End when uh, Wesley leaves. That's, Hooray! That's, Sorry. That was the start of the sort of Marquee-esque conflict. Um, and then you had Preemptive Strike with Ensign Row. <laughs> going off and joining them and never to be heard of again, probably exterminated with the rest of them. Um, yeah, we watched that one the other night with the, the Wesley Crusher leaving one. Yeah, yeah with and Picard I, I trying believe to I explain said, to the, hooray! The, this was well. another problem. I'm so, being such a bastard about this, and I'm so sorry to everyone. They had a planet of Native American Indians, who I believe now like to be called Indians. I don't know. You couldn't get that many of them together now, yet 300 years in the future, there's a fucking planet full of them. And enough to have many planets full. And you see now, this this joke opens up an interesting little problem I had there is with the with most of Star Trek actually, because in Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, there's no problem with uh, cultures, there's no problem with uh, society, there's no problem with uh, you know national identities, mm. uh, people, you know bold men are accepted, races, creeds, colours, yep. everyone is accepted apparently in this utopian future, and we're talking about what five. Except that guy with the transparent skull, he's a no go. Yeah, um, and we're talking about quite a long time into the future here, and yet there are still very distinctive races. Definitely. Now, this is a problem, I find, because if there was no racial problem, I think there'd be more interracial uh, relationships. And I think the vast majority of humans would be a very light shade of brown. Yeah, this is, I I, I agree with you. An an inevitable ending up for the human race is that everybody will be the same colour. Yeah. Having said that, there's a sort of a cultural identity with who you are. And some people of some races and some cultures cling on to that as a personal belief that they must perpetuate. But not in the 24th century. century. How do we know that that mindset has disappeared? That's the way we're presenting it. There's no no religion left. There's no one's religious anymore. Um, But what if you just don't fancy a Bajoran? No, no, I'm not talking about Bajorans. I'm talking about in mankind. Anybody, though. Just humans. Just just humans. Um... Just humans. Why are there still races? Because well, you not, find not what you races. find attractive. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that if the stigma was yeah. it was so eradicated yeah. of, you know, I mean, I've been in interracial relationships. Yeah. And I know loads of my friends have been in that sort of inter- interracial relationships, but I accept that I'm a liberal and probably in the minority still. Yeah. This is a time and an age where this is common. Liberalism is the thing. Liberalism is the thing. So why are there still races? Because you might not fancy. No, a no, no. But race. at some no, point, no, took, as yeah. it becomes more prolific, you don't really you have a choice. Who you are you? You find attractive who you find. No, 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 no you're missing no, the point completely. Well, clearly, I am. You're way off base. You're way off of it. It's yeah. Because there is no race issue. There is no, no race issue like anymore. Yeah. So yeah, you find you find attractive, but 
there is no issue, so there's nothing stopping interracial relationships worldwide. Yeah. So there would be mar- for, far more of them. Therefore, there'd be far more blending of the races and there wouldn't there be would as be many. There would be far more colour mix. There would be far more colour Everybody would do it. Not everyone, but the vast majority you, of humans that we'd be yeah. presented with would, you, you would, would reach, not be white, would not be black, would not be Asian. There would be a mixture. You, you reach sure. a point, surely, at least just 200 years in the future. Yeah. If that, if that ideology I was I truly inset. We're, we're trying becomes- to guess on what kind of proportion of, of the population would choose a, a race that was different to I their own. I suppose the point is, you wouldn't have someone as white as Captain Picard and someone as black as... Cisco. 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 Yeah, you wouldn't... I don't think... Everyone would be somewhere would, in the middle. You would have them still, but they would be very, very rare. They wouldn't be people, you know, like... Well, maybe that's why they end up as captains on Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know. See, surely that implies a greater racial tension by because making only the extremely white or black people captains. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know any of the answers. As with any other biological thing, you'd have a distribution <laughs> curve where you'd have a few very white people, a very, few very dark skinned people. I, I but just know that a great sort middle. of sci-fi thing if they actually only cast dual heritage actors. That would have been really mad if, like, in Next Gen or in original series, they just said, no, no, in the, in the future there are no races because everyone's intermixed. That yeah. would make more sense. That would have been, how crazy would that For have God's been? For God's sake, they did mental. that on Doctor there Who. There are only Earthlings, there are only Bajorans, and they are all the same, the same colour, the same face. No, you're oh. mixing other, no, other, no, no. other species. Other species. Just yeah, yeah. Humans. Just, just on Earth. If we never leave this planet, that will happen. We'd be beige. Yes. And one day we all will. Well, we won't be, but... We'll be dead, love. People will be. Yeah. And so it would be within 400 years of the future. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, was a no. That was a tangent. tangent. That was a tangent Gosh. and a half. I'm sorry. Yeah, Marquee Part 2 does feature... So we had the introduction of the Marquee, um, sort of Voyager build-up storyline, wasn't it, and everything, and uh had to get all these people in, and just about every Federation officer decides to join the Marquee at some point. Um, it's, it's a good career move, you know. Um, um, also features one like of the, the first... Do you like the Marquee? No, I hate them. I hate I, them. I, they're an irritating set of characters. I just find them meddlesome and like they're, they're the kids who come round and knock your dustbins over because they think it's a bit of a laugh. As we said last week, you just move. Yeah. yeah. Just, just fucking just, move. Just move. I mean, you know, Anarchy's really? fun for a little while Let's and th- then you need to grow up and get on with it somewhere use a, else. Using, using an equivalent, you know what I mean? It'd be like me as a British man moving to Germany uh in the 1930s and then finding Hitler rising up and deciding that he didn't like me very much and me saying well actually no I bought a house in Germany now I know everyone <laughs> in the country wants to kill me but I'm going to stick around uh, I'm really. going to stay if I have a choice to leave I'm going to leave I'm mm. going to go home yeah. I'm not sticking around but I think the writers got bored with the, the Marquis as well because suddenly one day the Dominion had just killed them all well that was after season 5 when Kardashian they, they joined the Kardashians yeah. They, that would have been the first there. thing, yeah. And Kardashians got rid of the Klingons and the Marquis in one fell swoop. Mm. Brilliant. And we yeah. didn't even see it happen. Just we got, there was a phone call. Oh, all the Marquis are dead, by the way. Oh, well, no, really, you, you oh, had the end of the story of Eddington, though. Yeah. Ooh, that man fuck. Uh, he was just a nut about uh, I never trusted him. Something about his eyes being too close together. Never trusted him for the minute you see him on screen. You think, I don't like you. You think he's a shapeshifter, though. That's the thing. You do think he's a shapeshifter. You think he's a spy from somewhere or other. You don't trust his uh, loyalty to the Federation at all. You're just looking at this guy in a yellow uniform thinking, who are you? 
You don't belong here. I he never like fitted you. in. You see, he had to go as well because he got usurped by Worf in season four. Yeah. yeah. It was like, that was his position. And then Worf sort of came in and it was like, well, um, um, you know, Worf looks better in the uniform. It is. Uh, okay. So after that, we have The Wire. When DS9's enigmatic Taylor Garrick collapses in pain, the cause can be found in a small device embedded in his brain and provided by a shady Kardashian obsidian order. The device dispenses pleasure and Garrick is addicted. This was a brilliant little Yeah, episode. this was good I, I did enjoy this, this again. First Garrick. Of, first of the Garrick watching. backstory, really, mm. with Anabra and Tain and everything and Bashir going and finding out just a little bit about Garrick. But again, everything we find out is just sort of like twisted a bit. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, that, that could be the truth. I'm only showing you this much. <laughs> I've shown you a little bit of truth. Yeah. But it could all be bollocks. You know, yeah. we don't know yet. Just, Can you imagine having something like cocaine permanently implanted in your brain? God, it'd be Set to awful. release. Uh, it'd be it'd just be so a nightmare. Would it be just awful? Really awful. Awful thing to happen. Um, the, the crossover. <laughs> All right. The first and arguably the best of the Mirror Universe episodes um, with uh, Kira and Bashir going over to the other side and uh, we find out the history that's happened in the last 75 years since Spock went back and yeah. changed it over. One of the rare instances of a reference to the original series mm-hmm. in DS9. Um, it's quite a good little episode. Two Kiras, uh, one a very sexy leather pants lady. Isn't and, uh, she hot? Oh my goodness me. Everybody yeah. in the mirror universe wants to shag everybody else in the mirror universe. Especially Kira. Be in the mirror universe. It's really weird. Th- this that was that constant- little sexy boudoir that they've got going on where they're all feeding each other grapes with very little clothes on and there's girls and boys in there. You're thinking, go on, lads, <laughs> go on with your bad self. <laughs> this looks fun. Stay in this side. Don't go back to that station with war and stuff like that. Yeah, stay over Get there. Get sexy with it. Two of you, you know, be good. Conquer the universe. <laughs> but yeah, it, Imagine also, what I could do with two of me. Jesus. They also killed off <laughs> quite a number of the uh, crossover characters in this one, probably because they didn't think they were ever going to go back mm. um, or weren't sure if they were going to go back. But Odo gets blown up pretty early on. and uh, <laughs> That's brilliant when that was Odo good, gets yeah, shot. Yeah. Mm. Bashir shoots him as well, doesn't he? Mm. Um, and I think somebody else gets killed. And I think mm. Quark, I think, gets killed in this one as well, doesn't he? Quark. Um, not real Quark. Not oh. real Quark. Naughty Quark. Naughty Mirror. Yeah, well, not- he's actually good quark. He, he was, was good quark. Well, that's I mean, his mirror, a, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the naughty quark's nice a real one. Oh, <laughs> See, but they did that. That's why we had Naughty Hoshi in the Enterprise one. Yeah, yeah, Naughty Hoshi. Oh, God. Um, okay, the collaborator. <laughs> On the eve of election of Bejar's new spiritual leader, the candidate Vedic Wynn and Vedic Burial assemble while the former Kardashian collaborator surfaces. Burial finds his reputation under attack. This is why Burial doesn't make it as the mm. Kai, because he did something naughty, which wasn't actually naughty. It was good, but it looks naughty, so they don't let him be Kai, and they yeah. get the patronising lady instead, who did something naughty at the beginning of the series. She does no something naughty every day. She does. And, patronising and, wench. And it's a... I and don't not, like a hat. I know it's really shallow, but a hat, I just want to knock it off her head. Just, just her. Louise Fletcher is fucking good, isn't she? She to create to a character. This kind of feeling in me that I want to reach in the TV and poke her eyes out. Yeah, yeah she's phenomenal. She's a brilliant actress because she's a lovely. I've seen interviews of her. She's, she's perfectly normal. Yeah. 
Well, she just makes, well, child, it's the calling people. When she calls Dax a child in one episode, Back up. you're just Ooh. like, hang on a second, she's 800 years old, <laughs> fucking bitch. Yeah. How <laughs> day. I know it's like, uh, as in a fave child and stuff like that, but it really does rub you up the wrong yeah, way, doesn't it? Does. Child, fuck off. She's a trill. Um, sort your nose out. Yeah, you've gone back. Page. And you're out. Gone back a page now. <laughs> go, let, let's repeat them all again. Okay. Um, tribunal. Leaving DS9 on this vacation, is O'Brien is intercepted and arrested by Kardashians under the Kardashian justice system. The verdict and death sentence are already decided, and Starfleet is not permitted to intercede. Can't remember this one? Yeah. I can strongly remember this one because. All the way through, you sat feeling this huge amount of injustice and screaming, but this can't be right. This can't be right. How can you... Um, Is this for Bro- O'Brien's part in the thing that happened in Next Gen with the other captain, his old captain and everything? Or? No, I no, they uh, say he's smuggling weapons. They oh, sort right. of put weapons on his ship because he's going on holiday with Keiko. Right. Which is arguably a punishment enough in itself. <laughs> Wife, he loves her. You've seen there her. we go. Twenty fourth century relationship, interracial relationship, internation relationship. Molly, the entire universe should look like Molly. The entire federation exactly. should look like Molly now. Yeah. And then they have another kid and name it after a Nintendo game character. <laughs> Yoshi. You're calling him Yoshi. What, Yoshi. the little green dinosaur that Mario rides uh, on. Yeah, it, that's the one. With I Yoshi. Think, I think it's quite a common yeah, I mean, my Japanese son. name. My other son, Link, and uh, Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) This is my granddaughter, Donkey Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Mike. So I I need to see this one then, yeah. I think it's a good one. You learn a lot about the Cardassians in terms of their... I think I've Justice seen this system. One. Is, Ga- is Gold a cat in this as well? Um, no, I think it's other goals. If he is, he's in a very minor role with sort of a phone call. Can so you get can O'Brien you out? Get of, something no, I can't. Fuck off. I'm Gold a cat. I don't do nice things. Have you, have you met me before? Yeah. Have you met well, he does at certain periods, yeah. though. It doesn't, it's, it's whether or not it was in Gold a cat's nice season or not. You know, because season four is a Gold a cat's a nice guy season. It is. The Klingons and a bird of prey and everything. And yeah. then. And I love that little bit in season five when it goes off with Kira, like off with, to, with the Dominion and like Kira's on the view screen. It's just like, you and me on the same side just never really felt right, right. did it? No. Wasn't really meant to be, <laughs> you know. Um, okay, so um, that brings us to uh, episode 26 of season two of The Gem Hadar. <gasps> now we've notched up. Now we're talking. This was probably, if anyone was losing any kind of faith with Deep Space Nine, if anyone was thinking to themselves, you know, this series isn't going anywhere, I'm not really enjoying it as much as I enjoy Next Gen and everything else. If they got that far, that was it. Mm. If you got to this episode, Mm. you saw a galaxy-class starship that looked exactly like the Enterprise D get a fucking Jemadar ship rammed into it. You had never seen anything like that before in Star Trek. That was a bold manoeuvre somewhat. It was a bold manoeuvre. It was harks of suicide bombers and everything now as well. Absolutely. And that inflicting maximum damage with the least amount of casualties. Yeah, martyrdom. Martyrdom. Um, And yeah, and we get introduced to the, uh, the Deep Space Nine buddy. Which, like I said earlier, is the same parallel season with season two of Next Gen. Yeah. We've got introduced to the Next Gen, Buddy the Borg. Same deal. You see, I have a problem with the Jem Hadar being seen as the baddie. 
Well, this because is it because I, we're I, getting teased here. We don't know who the founders are. <clears throat> yeah. This is a, well, you might think these are the baddies. They, they've got all of the hallmarks of baddies. They've got amazing weaponry. They've got amazing ships that are incredibly manoeuvrable. They've got personal shields and personal cloaking devices. Yeah. They aren't hiding just on ships. They're hiding next to you. They, you can't see these people. No, they You're use not that just... enough, though. Was... They didn't, but I, I imagine that's about cost, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Suddenly having these Jem'Hadar appear in front of you. Mm. Um, I thought it was weird the way that we were introduced down on that planet. There's a woman who was also hiding, wasn't there? And, the um, uh, the Vorta woman. Yeah, who, but again, she, you don't know is uh, an enemy until very end. Exactly. Yeah, that slightly sexy, less annoying Vorta as well. Like the female Vortas, compared felt, to their male equivalent, were you know a bit voluptuous and a bit like mm. you, get, you get to see a couple of them over the years. But um, the one on the episode, the ship. Do you remember eyes. the one where the Jemadar ships crashed and they've got to defend it and the. Yeah. yeah, and the Gemma and the Vorta woman who had massive cleavage. Did she? Yeah, I just oh. that's all I remember about that episode. Um, like she had a bottom inside yeah. a top. Oh, and Chief O'Brien's mate, who was in about twelve episodes, got killed in that episode. That was horrible, actually. Chief yeah. O'Brien's mate. It was one of he had like two sort of reoccurring assistants who cropped up over season three All right. and season four and then in the beginning of season five they killed one of them off I think in that episode that was is that cool. an equivalent of a red shirt then no yeah. it wasn't because you'd seen him before and right. he was like you know he had lines he had a family he had a background story and everything yeah like that. he was he was in there for the purposes of being in there for two seasons so they could kill him off and then make you feel <gasps> a little bit heartbroken yeah. and that was awful because it wasn't just like a, a, a quick death or anything he was dying over the course of the episode it was really horrible um, they have to throw that in to give you that little bit of an edge. Yeah. Because when you do, then when you then go and do an episode where O'Brien might be executed, you're not then sat thinking, they're not going to mm. kill O'Brien. They're yeah. just not going to kill O'Brien. Is Cisco dead? No, of course he's not fucking dead. <laughs> you know, but then when they killed Jadzia, you didn't see it coming. No. No. You see? You so heard it going. Rawr! Yeah. Wolf I like his, making that noise. I don't know what it is. Wolf and his yelling. Yeah. Wolf wasn't, hang on. Wolf didn't directly replace Eddington because Wolf wasn't chief of security, of Starfleet security. Eddington had a yellow uniform. Yeah, but he was, yeah, he was the Starfleet tactical officer, which mm. was kind of, again, what Eddington they, was doing. It just was a bit muddled. Wolf and we want you to stay so you can be the station's uh, Wolf. Your position <laughs> is Klingon. Yeah, there you go. What do you do here? I'm the advisor. I'm the token Klingon. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So they wanted him to stay. Just made up a job, which is fine. You're allowed to do that, I suppose. <laughs> well, Michael Dawn didn't milk that role for oh god for years. Yeah, he did. He had the seven years of Deep Space Nine, and then he had another four years on three years on. Uh, I bet he felt was, weird without the makeup, you know. I bet yeah. he felt really weird without the makeup. It can't have been his natural state for a long period of time. Nope. Well, if you wear the mask for long enough, soon enough you become the, the mask. He's still and, wearing and, uh, it now at uh, home, Michael Dawn, his uh, wolf. <laughs> you see, his his thing's just on top of his head, isn't it? I always imagine when I look at the Jem'Hadar that they've got a serious costume going on and it'd be uncomfortable to wear it. They're very pointy, sharp people that appear to have teeth on their face. Is that tube? 
Yeah. Oh, so white. <laughs> she's brilliant because so it's always she's... going, always yeah. bubbling through. Yeah, she's it's brilliant. that crack thing again, isn't it? You know, that, mm. having that cocaine implanted. It's that kind of thing. Although See, this is much more like a heroin type drug that they're being given. They were always very good on Star Trek of doing the little real life things in costumes and look like the tetracel white always flowing, like the Andorian antennae that were always mm. moving around and work with the expression on the face and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's where Doctor Who falls down. Doctor Who is a man in a suit. Yeah. Mm. Whereas... Well, Jem'Hadar. 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 If they I were saw one outside now, man. I'd shit myself. Yeah, they are nasty. Exactly. They are. They're horrible. They're very scaly kind of... Um, Although the Exoskeleton ones, type people. The ones where they talk are a bit hit and miss. Because of I the find. teeth and the mouth. No, no, just because of the attitude and whoever the actor is and the writing of the characters. They're often a bit shit. There's- I don't know. There's a couple of characters where um, they've re- a couple of uh, programs where they really, really pull forward this idea of first seconds and you know that chain of command within a little Jem'Hadar unit. I'm reminded of the most there's two like there's the one in season five when Worf is fighting all the Jem'Hadar and there's the guy who's watching him and everything and respects him and like doesn't kill him in the end because he cannot defeat him he can only kill him and it holds him no interest. That was brilliantly well written. Later on in season six though it's the episode uh, One Little Ship where the runabout is shrunk down to uh-huh. a tiny size and goes in, and all, and these uh, gamma quadrant and alpha quadrant gem hadars are having a bit of a mardi row. Oh, that's a and good one. It was a good episode, but they were all a bit sort of like, oh no, no, we're the best. Oh no, you are. And I'm really sort of like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh god, uh, fuck. You, but you, I'm the leader. I, I should be the leader, and you should. And when I was the leader, it was better. But we're much better than you. <clears throat> but didn't like that, that didn't that bring in an an excellent element of <laughs> these are you know these bloody killing machines. No, because I just it petulant, ruined the illusion a bit. You know, it, it, a bit it, like, the it does ruin the illusion, and I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that because it was like when they had the Borg to be wo- turning ruined. human. Yeah, well, oh yeah, and here and all queen, that. Lot. They ruined the Borg. Should we pick our favourite episode then? Right, and well, finish. Well, is Jem'Hadar was Jem'Hadar the last one? Yeah. It's usually the last one or the first one, isn't it? It's yeah, Jem'Hadar. It's Jem'Hadar, really, for me. In just so much as... I think The Wire is an excellent episode. Um, and I think um, Crossover was a pretty good episode, but you, it's not really the, a great episode. It was a good episode. But I think, yeah, The Wire and The Jem'Hadar were the best two episodes, and I yeah. think Jem'Hadar takes it just for sheer monumentalness of the yeah. story. Yeah, who are these people? Who What's that the, white tube? This changes. Where did they come from? Everything. Everything. Yeah. Um, I actually, just for the purpose of being different, just for the sake of it, I'm going <laughs> to choose the Chief O'Brien thinking everyone's after him episode. Fair enough. Because, I don't know, it's as they say, it's not paranoia if they're actually after you. Yeah. And I quite like that they did that. But no, they were actually after us. This was not something gone wrong. They were actually trying to get rid of him. Yeah. I thought that was that was pretty cool. It was a clever, clever little twist on the story. It was. Yeah. And and, I'm still surprised that you chose that one because the noise that you made when you saw the Jem'Hadar and, well, you told me before, this is where it gets serious. I just think we have better Jem'Hadar episodes like oh I don't know and it's not you, the, it's you not, made that <laughs> it's not, it's not the, the, no, it's not not that, that the end one is bad in any way or anything like that it, 
could quite it probably is the best one and it's certainly the most significant in terms of the long-term story yeah but in terms of an episode i'd just like to watch i don't know i think i quite i'd go with the chief of bright one yeah just, just to throw to something watch. different into the mix i think you know if i was doing that just to enjoy something i'd choose a garrick one in season two i really enjoyed getting to the what, see the these wire, glimpses of Garrick's character starting to really develop in season two, and I, I think the wire is the Garrick one for season yeah. two. Really, I mean, if you're going to go for another one, I don't know. The Chief O'Brien one is a very good one. Um, I also like Quark when he's asked to become the uh, the spokesperson by the Grand Nagus. When power is thrust upon Quark, <laughs> that is a moment to behold. I I just love it because. Quark believes so deeply that he deserves everything. Yeah. And it's just a joy to watch him try and Could fulfill all that. moon by now. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right then, let's wrap this up. Indeed. We have, uh, if you'd like to email us about all the things we've done wrong or to displease you, please uh, write to make it so. It's simply simply. Is that what happens? Dear make it so, you're very good and I love all your shows, but... But... <laughs> it has to be said that of the the many listeners we have, this is a very there's only a handful of people who do this. But it it does get a little repetitive when it is. Yeah, make it so. Love your show, brilliant. Blah blah blah. But how could you possibly say this? Well, well, because this is how I thought it, and I said it, it, and I stand yeah. by it. We're sorry, Spock's not the best first officer. It's not he's just not. He's just <laughs> not. Deal with it. Move on. It's not our fault. But come at me with whatever argument you want. There's a better Riker one. I, I just think the Star Trek is such an emotive issue. You start talking about this and and people have their opinions. That's it. You, you can't help it. But the thing is, at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. It's not that we're saying categorically Riker is the best first officer. It's just that we think Yeah, this he's isn't going to be written in books and, and made no. part of the, the whole history of it all. <laughs> you know. So don't don't worry. It's yeah. just us talking on a computer. <laughs> yeah. It's fine, really. It's cool. So if we haven't annoyed the fuck out of you yet, um, <laughs> then you can listen to us as well on uh, Movies You Should See. This week we reviewed the uh, the lovely, wonderful 1995 film Seven by David Fincher. Uh, you can also listen to Alison and Richard on Weekend Watches mm-hmm. um, and Richard on Do You Think That's Just Bollocks? And we also have a The Definitive Word special edition this week. We have movies you shouldn't see at any cost at your peril. And that's a cracking little a show. A waste of your seconds of precious time. And the movies, not, not, not the, the show. Episode, not the episode. Not the, episode. the movies. Oh, the, movies the show yeah. is a great the spend of seconds. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Un- unfortunately, we do have a slight technical problem with that one uh, with the microphone making a hideous sound, but just ignore it. It's only on there. No hideous microphone sounds anymore. Not tonight. Tonight no, might no. be a bit shaky because someone forgot to bring enough microphones for everyone to have one. So and we're looking at you, Richard. Yeah, it was me. But again, oh, we should say thank you to any make it so listeners who uh, donated, donated any money, money yeah. to help us get some new stuff because we've got it now we've got shiny new cool. microphones Lovely. yeah with those guards. cool blue lights pop on that wine trust guards yes. pop guards everyone and pop guards don't you just love it when well, I say we're that not we're not using we're sharing. sharing hurt your eardrums yeah, yeah. yeah. pop guards on oh, the forums, which are just so busy. They're busting mm. at the seams, aren't they? We've got a uh, How Did You Find Us thread on the, uh, the mm. Make It So forum. I'm very interested to hear more opinions about that. Also, as well, there's a, a brilliant map that someone sent me um, from Dig uh, of the Federation. And 
That's just brilliant. Of the Alpha Quadrant. Amazing picture. Yeah. Great little detailed map. And that's on the forum as well, on the general. You can look at that. That's brilliant. So when are you going to get it blown up six by four then? And put it on the wall. Yeah. Like, well, you're here. I just want, <laughs> I just want a little sign saying you are here. Right? That's, yeah, that's, all, that's all I want. Yeah, no. <laughs> Apparently, Federation Day is May the 8th. We missed it. Is it? Yeah. Damn. Oh, damn. Bugger. Yeah, it's too close to May the 4th. It is really. May the fourth be with you. May the eighth be Star Trek. I don't know. We'll have a Federation Day party next year then. Yeah, yeah. Let's do. Let's that. do that. The forming of this fictional federation. Great. Can we stuff. dress up? You can. Mike's coming as a, a bait as I groom. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll I be guess back. I'll be back oh. sometime. Will I? Well, we'll be doing season three soon enough. Yay! I'll be back, and we'll we'll have seen those as well, probably. <laughs> I have seen all of season three of the Space Night. I need to now watch season two. I feel disgusted with myself and my entire existence. Anyway.